and welcome to the A to Z Sports Big Orange Podcast. I am Charlie Burris, here as always with my co-hosts and A to Z Sports Tennessee writer, Zach Reagan. Wherever you listen throughout the world, we thank you so much for listening to us. We talk everything balls every week here on the Big Orange Podcast. And if you want to listen to that on the regular, go over to the A to Z Sports Podcast Network feed on Apple, Spotify, and subscribe there. If you subscribe, you won't miss the episodes when we drop them on Mondays. And go to YouTube if you want to see our ugly mugs. And go to A to Z Sports on YouTube. Just search it up. Put it in that search box. A to Z Sports. And subscribe there. You'll see the podcast. You'll see clips of the podcast. And you'll see all the other content that A to Z Sports posts. And it's awesome. Especially if you're a Titans fan, Predators fan. They cover it all in the sport in uh, the state of Tennessee. At Charlie underscore Burris. At Zach TNT. At A to Z Sports. Facebook.com slash A to Z Sports. Nashville. A to Z sports.com for everything that Zach and I write on all of the internet, social media, blah, blah, blah. It's all there. You know where to find us. Let's get down to it, Zach. It's a day of mourning. Because over the weekend, something happened that hasn't happened in quite a long time. Tennessee baseball. The Vols lost a series, Zach. Oh, no. We suck again. Oh, no. What has happened? It's all the, the sky is falling. It's over. The dynasty has come to an end. Tennessee baseball is right back. We Tennesseed it, didn't we? It's over, Zach. Talk me off the ledge. Why? Tennessee, we lost to Kentucky. Kentucky, Zach, what happened? The best thing I can really put out there for you is, is that, you know, it was the worst baseball weekend of the year, right? I mean, that was awful. The uh, You had the, uh, the weather delay in the game. The, you kind of had to wait forever to watch it, to watch Tennessee lose. But despite it being the worst baseball weekend of the year, Tennessee wrapped up the SEC East this weekend for the second straight year. First time in almost 30 years that they've won the SEC East in back-to-back years. Uh, I think the first time since 94 and 95. So even though it was, I mean, that's kind of like a microcosm of the, of the season for Tennessee, right? Like something, they lose a game and it seems like the sky is falling. But if you kind of look at it from 10,000 feet, you're like, well, these they've won the SEC East. They're still the number one team in the country. The latest rankings were released Monday morning. They're still number one ahead of Oregon State. Uh, so how bad is it really? Are, are we spoiled from everything that's happened this season? Or is uh, losing to Kentucky, who's not a great team, is that a bad sign of things to come? Or are the Vols faltering at the wrong time of the year? There are definitely two sides to this coin. Overall, I 100% agree with you. As much as I joke there at the beginning, Tennessee does not, you know, all of a sudden suck. And I don't think that that series was absolutely abysmal. But like you said, the weather was awful. You had weather delays and just all they played in the rain for almost an entire game. in one. It was just it sucked. The whole thing just sucked. Kentucky is arguably the worst team in the SEC. 
and you lost a series to them, that is not good. Let's not beat around the bush there and start up front. And I know that that's the thing that I think freaks people out the most. The the sky is falling, folks. Um, I'm not. I am typically in that camp. <laughs> in in a lot of other sports, I uh, I'm definitely a, a super reactionary. It's it's over the second there's a crack in the facade. You know, I'm kind of one of those. But this is baseball. And yeah, you do have to say, okay, could you not have lost a series to like Florida, who's one of the better teams? Like I would have gone like, okay, it's at Florida, you know, they're a better team. They got they're generally pretty decent. Auburn would have been probably fine uh and, and not freak out worthy, but Kentucky is not good. You look at the stats, they're an abysmal baseball team. And they just, they've been, they've won at coming into that weekend. I think they had won six SEC games all season. They were like six and 18 or something. Just like really, I don't know how many games, but it was really bad. They had won many and they steal two from Tennessee in that one. The pitching was off. The hitting was way off. The base running was bad. I mean, there was just a ton of stuff. And again, you give it some of that caveat with the weather and then you score seven runs and kind of put them away pretty easily in the third game. And that the third game looked how we all thought the rest of the series would look, you know? So they did have at least one game where they were kind of back to themselves. I will say that it was bad. It's bad. Kentucky sucks. And they lost the series to Kentucky. That is bad. But I, and I know this, this sounds so patronizing and I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. As somebody who is that super reactionary that loves to freak out, this feels very patronizing to those people. I realize that. But I also think that this is the truth. Baseball is a weird sport. You go through these ebbs and flows and you got to just ride the wave, even for a team that has been absolutely otherworldly good who won a team who won the SEC East with two full series remaining in the season, you know. Even for that team, you're going to get hit with some of this stuff. Chase Dolander is having this amazing season, goes down with injuries. These these things are going to happen. Blade Tidwell is not himself fully. He just has not, he hasn't had a real complete good game yet coming back from the injury that he had. Uh, Seth Halverson out, out for the year. You just have some of these freak things that end up happening, even for a team that is ridiculously good as Tennessee is. These things happen. And baseball is a strange sport. So you you got to take the the good with the bad. And, and the, like you said, look at the thousand foot view to not freak out here. Yeah, you're right. It, it, it's baseball. It's a long season. Uh, they've, they've played almost 50 games. They've only lost six games, which is still incredibly impressive. But if these things are going to happen. Look at Major League Baseball. The Cincinnati Reds are horrid this year. I think they've won like five games in the first month. Absolutely terrible. That's a team they're probably going to go beat the Dodgers, maybe the best team in the National League. They're going to beat the Dodgers, the Padres, a couple of games this year. They're going to beat the Milwaukee Brewers a game or two. Like Bad teams still beat good baseball teams because anything can happen on a given night. Pitching's not up to par. The bats aren't are just kind of dead. It happens. Now, in college, there's – it's a long season, but it's nowhere near as long as, as an MLB season. So there, there's a lot of momentum in Tennessee. We've seen how how they've had the momentum this year, and they're kind of losing that momentum right now. That's not 
shocking because it is such a long season. It's it's hard to keep the energy that they've had. It's it's hard to stay up the way they have for an entire season. So you kind of experience this lull, which is what it feels like Tennessee's going through the past couple of weeks. Even though they've still been really good, they haven't been playing quite like we we saw earlier in the year. Kind of hope they go through this and and find their groove again, you know, right before it counts, right before SEC tournament and, and trying to go win a championship. I think they, there is real. Go ahead. Oh, they, they. I'm just they. They can't get too relaxed because Oregon State. Yeah. I mean, it's right there in the rearview mirror. I mean, that's a really good team too. That's only lost what like eight, not eight games. I think yeah, or nine games. They're thirty eight nine. So everybody's talking about Tennessee and how good they are, and they are the they're the best team in the country. They have been all year, but Oregon State is. I mean, almost as good, just right there behind them. Right there, uh, and and you do. I guess to give the the full picture, you win, I believe the number is three more games. Tennessee will win the SEC. You will have won the regular season and be the the top team in the league. So you got to win three out of the final remaining six. You could actually lose one of the series. It's, I believe, Georgia and Mississippi State are the remaining series. You could lose one of those series and win the other, and you would still win the SEC. Because I kind of saw some people freaking out about that. The chance of Tennessee, you know, again, baseball is weird. Anything could happen. The chance of Tennessee not winning the league this year in the regular season is pretty small. I mean, Tennessee losing 50% of these final six games is not likely, in my opinion, especially Mississippi State is one of the, despite winning the national championship last year, is one of the worst teams in the league. Um, They probably will not make the NCAA tournament uh, even the year after they won the national title. It's crazy. Uh and that series is still on the road. So that it is. That's, that's true. Yeah. And any, again, anything could happen. Don't count that out. And you, you have another weird weather series. There's some, you know, you got to go play in Mississippi in May. Lord knows it might come a tornado rip through the baseball field. And then, it, you know, anything could happen. Uh, and, and so, like, don't, don't count your chickens before they hatch. But I would say the people freaking out about that, I go, let's, let's see how they come out. Let's see how they play in this midweek game. See if they're feeling it again. See how how we do against Georgia, you know, and, and kind of go from there. Because uh, it's this is another thing. If it's successive weeks in a row, that that's where I'll start to get concerned. If if in these final two series they look really bad, I'll go. I don't know. This might be bad. This that might be bad. Um, when you're putting together a string of not being good, that's a different thing. But if they can. They can recover in these final two series, go start playing stronger going into the SEC tournament, put up a nice showing in the SEC tournament. Hey, anything can happen. Uh, but yeah, there are other really, really, really good baseball teams out there. Uh, Arkansas being one of them. Arkansas won their series against Auburn, just like Tennessee did. Um, and and so I uh, I want to freak out, believe me. As I said, I am predisposed to be that person. But in this particular case, I we I think we can take a breath and go, it'll be okay. I, I will say this much. Why did it have to be Kentucky? Even despite the fact that Kentucky sucks. Like what? Why did you give them? Tennessee has owned Kentucky. This entire past, really like two years. You, you got their, you got them by the short hairs in basketball. Like in the sport that they love. You have them in football. They've been better than you and you continue to beat them. And that's a funny thing. And then 
in baseball where you're supposed to be this incredible powerhouse, you finally give Kentucky an inch. Why? Literally, I would have been better. Like, why couldn't it have just been like any? I I don't know. What I was just thinking. When I I was. It's funny. I was just thinking about kind of where you're going with this. Like, who would it have been better to lose to? And I went through the list pretty quickly and was like, well, not Georgia or Florida, not Alabama, no. not Vanderbilt, not Auburn. After the way they acted, not South Carolina. Uh, it's is it Mississippi State? I mean, that's the only yeah. one that really Mississippi State, not Arkansas there. because of the Dave Van Horn, not Missouri because of the Vitello connection. It, it's got to be Mississippi State. Yeah, uh, I mean, it it is. It's Mississippi State. Why why couldn't it have just been? Except at that point, you don't want to be losing the final series of the season oh, and yeah. go like, oh, we're going into postseason play looking the worst we've looked. There is no good series. Yeah, to just, lose. Don't lose. just don't lose. Just don't lose. Ah. Why to Kentucky? Did it? Why? Dang it! And you give. Did you see how many opposing uh, beat writers, columnists that cover other SEC teams were like dancing in the streets over Tennessee losing? Which I love. I love it. I saw an LSU columnist from the Advocate, a longtime sports writer covering LSU and Baton Rouge, calling Tony Vitello a hothead and how much he enjoyed seeing them lose. I'm like, are you? Have you watched baseball before and watched if you watch a full day of college baseball or MLB, you're going to see an ejection at some point. Probably a manager or a pitching coach out there just screaming at the umpire. Like that's baseball. It's a passionate sport. You get caught in the moment. I this whole reputation of Vitello being a hothead is one of the silliest things. I've ever heard. He's incredibly composed in post-game interviews. Yeah. He knows how to handle himself, what to do, what not to do. He just pushes the right buttons for his team, and that's obvious from the way they play. But it's hilarious the thing that is, they reach on to that. The thing is that he's had these moments that a lot of coaches have, and he has the number one team in America that mm-hmm. plays with a ton of swagger. It's those two things combined. He would not have this reputation if he was like the way that he is and Tennessee wasn't as good. You wouldn't, you know, the, the well, nobody players paid attention in, in 2017, 20, or yeah. 2018, you know. He wasn't a hothead back then because people didn't care. And yeah. now that they care, you have the freaking chick from the Tennessean who writes for Vandy coming out and being like, Number of series losses to Kentucky, Tennessee one, Vanderbilt zero. Dude, how did this is? I, I'm trying to pick my words kindly here. How is the Tennessean so? St- I can't, I, the thoughts, the way that I want to say this, I can't say on this show. How is the Tennesseans so bad at hiring people? How? They, they have the resources of this giant corporate machine, Gannett, that runs their whole, th- I believe, is still the owner. Like, more resources than most media companies. It's like, A to Z, we have to scrap. The, you know, we're real small time. Don't have those kind of backers. And we have a team of people that are so much better in every conceivable way <laughs> than the idiots that the Tennessean hires. And they bring on this girl who's, it's she, I think it said she, uh, 
I looked at her profile just briefly because I, I retweeted her thing and commented on it and, you know, called her stupid. Uh, and I think she was a Michigan grad or something like from the big 10 then covers Vandy who, again, she's the media member who covers Vandy. Cause frankly, no other media outlet can afford to cover Vandy because nobody reads stuff about Vandy because they have nope. no fans. She's the one person that covers Vandy and then is taking all of these shots at Tennessee and is not even a Vandy alum. And I go, how, how do you, how, how do you even find these people? Who, who is in the hiring chain there that is making these decisions that, that is going to make the people who are your primary readers hate you so much? Who is making these decisions? I just can't. This is a rant that would be more appropriate in, in uh, a, a private conversation because I could use the, uh, the choice four-letter words that I would like to use, uh, you know. But I, it's the point of all of that being outside of my rant about the Tennessee and being the worst media outlet on planet Earth, I think. Um, it's so funny. That this team has people so worked up that this idiot from the Tennessee and is coming out and thinking that it's cute to tweet about Tennessee because you got to take a dig at him because they're they're the big bad boys and they oh look at them they lost this series that's how worked up Tennessee has people and to me that's been the probably the funnest part of this entire season on top of just winning obviously the winning has been great uh, but that was pretty funny to see because it was it was like league wide guys from LSU obviously I'm sure South Carolina fans were hemming and hawing about it uh but the thing is only Kentucky beat Tennessee you didn't beat Tennessee so yeah you know the we only, can only say that at the end of the day the only negative that I see from like I think I'm like you I love it I love seeing the reaction I love that it gets people riled up but it's got to a point where if Tennessee doesn't win at all I mean all of these columnists you're going to see a flurry of articles and reports about how this season was a failure for Tennessee no matter how great they play no matter how you know anything can happen in in Omaha and you know if Tennessee doesn't win at all they're gonna have to deal with a lot of bad press that comes from that and it's it's not fair I mean but in a way they've, they've kind of asked for it but they embrace it but that I feel like that's the only downside is that if, if they don't win at all they're gonna come for Tennessee yeah, because because you'll be, we already kind of talked about it. What when you have earlier in the season when you're sweeping everybody and it's kind of come. I don't want to say it's come back down to median. You're you're still really good, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but earlier in the season when people were like, "This is the best college baseball team I think I've ever seen." I mean, you had analysts literally saying things like that, and you go, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa!" Don't put that title on this team because you do get saddled with if you don't win a national championship which is so hard to win in any sport but baseball in particular with just how you know a strange bounce can get you you mm-hmm. know it, it has so many variables especially with baseball like you're going to saddle them with that title and then if they don't win it they're always going to be the you know the Kentucky team that lost Kentucky basketball team that lost in the final four after going 37 and zero or whatever, and they lose in the final four and forever that team is the greatest team ever that didn't win a national championship. I'm like, 
let's not do that. And and it may may end up being the case. I think this shows that this Tennessee team is mortal uh, and it's not going to be easy and it never was going to be easy. And I think that's fine. They probably needed to get kind of punched in the mouth. Um, and it's been happening more and more in recent weeks. Uh, and so hopefully they take this and really put their nose to the grindstone and shape up for the postseason because that's that's what I hope comes from it. You go, okay, we lost the arguably the worst team in the SEC. We need to get our button gear and and really batten down the hatches because this is the rubber is about to meet the road with the postseason. And and hopefully that's what comes of it. We'll see. Um and and just have to kind of go from there. I believe it's another Thursday, Sunday, Thursday or th- Thursday, Saturday series um against Georgia. And it will be is it in it's in Knoxville, I think. Yes. We yes. Yeah, yes. we we don't finish with three road series. That would be brutal. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Bellarmine on Tuesday. I shouldn't uh, note that we were talking about Tennessee still being number one. They're they're number one in the D one rankings, but in Baseball America's rankings, they did fall to number two. And Oregon State uh, took the number one spot this week. Oregon State was four and zero last week, so it's not shocking. Tennessee went yeah. two and two, so it was kind of again not shocking. You lost to the worst. Arguably the worst team in the SEC. That has to be weighted in there. I mean, that, those losses sting. Uh, they feel a little different than, like you said, losing to, to Arkansas or a team like that. But is it a relief in some sense? Because what I believe the stat is, like the a consensus number one team hasn't won a national championship since like 1999 or something. Uh, I saw that stat somewhere i if that's incorrect don't i'm just i'm pulling that off the top of the dome there but it was something like that where the top team in college baseball almost never wins it all um so i oh maybe that tennessee's just doing their due diligence and they threw a couple of games they want to they want to get out that number one spot they're just making sure that they do everything needed to to win this championship this was on purpose they did this purposefully uh of course we (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that oh I, I think that's the only the only answer frankly uh can you imagine going back with uh at, at some of these reporters with that line of thinking <laughs> oh they'd be furious <laughs> uh whatever makes them feel better you know I, that's it's fine by me i i just love that we're making everybody mad and especially the tennessean because screw those guys. i don't know if you saw ben mckee from Volquest, I think it was this morning. It, it popped up this morning. It might have been from yesterday, but when he he was tweeting about Tennessee winning the SEC East, and it was definitely a shot back at the Tennessee. And like he put mm. uh, SEC East titles in 2022. Tennessee won, rest of the SEC zero. So that <laughs> definitely <laughs> like a shot right back over over there. Yeah, because so. it's all all of these that that chick put this whole line of tweets. That it was all like. Tennessee zero, Vanderbilt one for a number of different things. So she kind of locked herself into this format of getting made fun of, I think, uh, by Tennessee fans. Because that's what I did. I I said, I think I, I tweeted back and I said, uh, number of people in American states who respect the Tennessean and its writers. And I put Tennessee zero. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I If you can't tell, I specifically have just... So much hatred for that publication. It's actually kind of what I uh, weirdly built my media uh, profile on was uh, attacking the Tennessean 
Um, I had a I had a period where me and their editors were going back and forth about stories they were writing about Tennessee, uh, and I, yeah, that that was whole. I I ended up it got so prominent. I ended up I was on through three HL. They brought me on and they had me talk about it and stuff in Nat. It's a radio show in Nashville for those who don't know. Um, and so that's I I still feel that way. I still feel the way that I feel uh, about them. It hasn't gone away at all. So even since then, but well, I'm this is this happens every time get this a phone call in the middle of the show <laughs> why anyway with all of that said um as far as tennessee baseball goes well, well was there any anything else with the baseball team that you wanted to cover i think we we just wanted to give our opinion on is the sky falling or not but was there anything uh, else you had zach yeah, no, I think – I mean, I th- I think this team's fine. I think we'll see them bounce back. They got a midweek game this week, like you mentioned. They got Georgia this weekend. They can get right back on track very quickly, and I don't I don't think there's anything to worry about with these guys. I don't either. So we'll, uh, we'll see how they do and go from there. And then we're going to finish up the second half of the show. It's really just kind of be a two-topic show um, with this talk – that's been going on recent, recently in the last week or so about the NCAA finally waking up from its slumber and deciding that they want to come after people who are utilizing the NIL system. And I, I think this takes, I, I want people who are listening to fully understand the situation because what I see a lot in the discussions about it is. I, I think pe- people aren't fully aware of everything that has happened as far as this goes. I think they just think the NCAA changed these rules. Um, that This is the most common mistake I see, that, that just the NCAA changed these rules and it was their decision completely. And, you know, that was not even the case. The NCAA never really did come to their senses with this stuff. And this is the bedrock of this discussion is why I really bring this up. The NCAA never really did come to their senses and and put these new NIL rules in place. They were forced to by the Supreme court of the United States. Uh, and, uh, I forget exactly what the case was called. Um, but either way, it was a case that was decided like summer last year. And I mean, it was this like scathing decision, uh, from the Supreme court that basically said the NCAA is not above the law. You have to pay the people that work for you. Uh, and these athletes work for the NCAA and and so there, the NCAA is in breach of antitrust laws. This what they are doing is essentially unconstitutional. And, and so, um, that's that's the baseline. I think a lot of I just see a lot of people that like don't even realize that that was a thing that happened, or maybe they just forget. Um, I think in some of those situations, I forget that that happened. It was a crazy thing, and so then that blanket put these nil rules in place so since then the ncaa has kind of tried to act like this is okay we're fine and they've just like turned a blind eye the president is stepping down mark emmert is is you know going going away thank goodness that guy is the worst um and has needed to go away for a long long time now um but now the ncaa has woken up and suddenly they feel like oh well, actually, we're going to crack down on these NILs. And they're doing all of this posturing and all of these things. And 
and so I'll I'll start by, and then I'll get your opinion on this, Zach, but I'll start by reading the first few paragraphs of an article about all of this from The Athletic. This was written by Stuart Mandel, The Athletic, uh, and this just lays lays the groundwork for what we're talking about here. And then the thing that we want to discuss is the NCAA is like gunning for Tennessee, I think. Because Tennessee has, without a doubt, been the most brazen so far with these NIL rules. It was It's really been us and USC, really, uh, with this Jordan Addison deal. Um, and and uh, supposedly they're going and giving him however much money to leave Pittsburgh and come there. Um, Miami. So, Miami's another one, too. Yeah, but Miami. That, that's true. Uh, Miami is named in this piece of The Athletic, and so is Tennessee. Um, and so... Here's I'll I'll just read this. It's it's a few paragraphs, but I think it's a beautiful little explainer here uh, for what we're going to talk about, and then we'll we'll discuss it. So here it is. This is Stuart Mandel at the Athletic. The news coming out of last week's Big Ten, Big Twelve, and Pac twelve spring meetings was the NCAA's impending attempt to crack down on schools boosters using NIL payments to land recruits. New clear NIL guidelines drafted by a subcommittee that includes Ohio State Athletic Director Gene Smith and Big East Commissioner Val Ackerman are expected to spur the NCAA's enforcement arm into action, sources told The Athletic. Smith said in an interview this weekend that he hopes the new recommendations are endorsed by the Division I Board of Directors on Monday. So I'll, I'll stop here and I'll say, notice that also some other folks at other schools are in on this nonsense, uh, and we'll discuss that too, but just a note there. So now back to the story. Sports agent Russell Smith, whose Utah-based firm uh, Encore uh, Athlete Marketing represents around 80 college athletes, had this reaction, quote, I think it's adorable that the NCAA is acting as if they're going to crack down on anything, unquote. In conversations over the weekend with boosters, lawyers and agents involved in the types of NIL deals of concern to administrators, few believe the NCAA has the capacity to curb the budding, quote, over-the-table pay-for-play market. Now, uh, not after Supreme Court Justice Supreme, not after Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh's concurring opinion in last summer's NCAA versus Alston antitrust decision that warned, "quote The NCAA's business model would be flatly illegal in almost any other industry in America." Unquote. While not legally binding, his screed all but invited future lawsuits challenging the NCAA's broader amateurism model. "Quote The moment they come to try to interfere with one of my clients' deals." The next day is the moment that they will get hit with an antitrust lawsuit, said attorney Mike Caspino, who represents several college football recruits that have landed six and seven figure deals with school specific booster collectives. Quote, they're saying there's a whole class of people and in parentheses as boosters. They're saying there's a whole class of people, boosters, who can't participate in the market for athletes and IL rights. That'd be like saying red haired people can't buy meat. That's antitrust. So, and unquote there. That's the the thrust of what's being said here. The NCA wants to come after with this technicality of boosters. The NCA wants to come after schools like Tennessee that are having these huge NIL deals made for or supposedly supposedly we always have to uh asterisk it supposedly made um for recruits that are coming in and they're the ncaa is trying to take this angle of boosters athletes still even with these nil rules can't have contact with boosters before coming to a school 
And so that's the uh, the way that they're going about this. But you read this, Zach. What were your uh, initial thoughts uh, looking at this situation? I think it's just infuriating to begin with. When you think about the NCAA and what they're trying to do, it, it's, I mean, it's almost like uh, a sweatshop or something, right? Where you're you're trying to pay people pennies on the dollar for your product that you're making millions in it. I mean, it's a huge industry millions and millions of dollars going to these programs off the backs of kids playing sports under the guise of, Oh, they get a free education. It, it all works out. It all pans out. It's like, no, it's been determined that they should be able to profit off of their name, image and likeness and what they've, the market they've created for themselves. Like they've created that value for themselves via their athleticism, their ability to play their marketability their ability to sell products for for people. There, there's all kinds of factors that go into determining what a player's worth or not worth. I just don't understand why the NCAA is so hard on this. I mean, maybe maybe it's partially because Nick Saban and Kirby Smart are two of the people driving this. I mean, there was a report last week that, that said that they were two of the coaches that want the NCAA to do something. And of course they do. They've been getting by with paying recruits for years they have their system it it's well run they have people that execute what they need executed as far as payments conversations they stay away from it they're smart i mean it, it's it's what a, the great head coaches have to do in college basketball or college football you have plausible deniability when you kind of stay away from it and you got a system in place that works tennessee's doing this kind of out in the open and they're pretty much bragging about it so that kids know, hey, you know, I can go there and make some money and it helps them in recruiting. Like, I, I understand why Tennessee's done it this way. But the fact that Saban and Smart, and it's not, I wrote an article last week and it the headline was sensationalized a little bit, but I'm talking about Nick Saban and Kirby Smart kind of being nervous about Tennessee. And it's not that I think that they think that Tennessee's going to suddenly turn into a national championship contender overnight, but they're stepping on, Alabama and Georgia territory and they don't they don't care for that I mean Tennessee's getting some recruits that that they should have got Nico traditionally would be at Georgia or Alabama whichever one Arch Manning doesn't go to the other one would get And, and this is not how this traditionally goes and they don't like it and they don't they can feel themselves losing their hold on the recruiting world where they can kind of pick and choose who they want. It's not that it suddenly makes Tennessee this huge threat to Alabama, but it does kind of make them, I think, a little uneasy. Like, hey, where does this lead? Where does this go from here? What's next? Is Tennessee going to buy the top 10 players in the class somehow? Like, what what is happening here? They they want to put an end to it. And then NCAA is complicit in, in their wishes, which is – should be very frustrating for fans of any school not named Alabama or Georgia. And really, if you're even if you're a fan of those schools, it should be frustrating because you should want players to get what they want legally, yeah. and it shouldn't have to be a secret at all. You'll notice the pushback. You and and I thank you. You steered that exactly where I wanted to go. That was perfect. You'll notice the pushback coming from three distinct camps. And to me, Only one of them really makes sense. One is what you bring up here, the big schools. As I mentioned, 
You have Gene Smith, the athletic director at Ohio State, who, much like Alabama and Georgia, is already very good at football and has been getting huge recruits by paying them under the table for a very long time. Um, you'll notice those schools coming and they're pushing back on on this or or on in an unofficial capacity, although Gene Smith, obviously, in an official capacity is pushing back on it because he has that ability. Um, the NCAA itself is obviously pushing back on it because they're a, just an organization of idiots, a corporate chill cartel who should have been deemed illegal long, long, long ago. Uh, and at this point should have already gone out of existence, but because the world is not fair, they still exist. Um, and to me, neither of those make sense. Like you said, why is the NCAA still fighting this? Just die with dignity. That's it. You're done. You're cooked. And they realize that. And they're just this, they're in the death throes of, of their demise, you know, where they just see the end is nigh for the NCAA. I think, you know, a lot of people have been like, this is the end of college football. No, it's not. But what it is the end of is the NCAA. <laughs> and they realize that and they're fighting against it. And they're just having this fight or flight response. And so they're fighting back against this posturing, like we're going to come after your NIL collectives or whatever. Uh, and then the big schools like Ohio State at, at, or uh, Alabama, Georgia. And the only one to me that makes sense is the third group, which is here it says Big East Commissioner Val Ackerman was also on board with this. Small schools like the ones in the Big East, obviously the Big East is a basketball-only league, but the schools that are in the basketball Big East are in small leagues. It's UConn and it's... Tulane and it's you know some of those smaller schools that don't have the resources that Tennessee has and that person's pushback makes sense to me because they don't have the resources that Tennessee has to pay players like this they're not going to be able to get together the fan support to support these collectives to get these giant checks to these kids and do all of these things and so they look at this and they go oh boy we're about to have a really hard time getting good players to come to this school and so their pushback on it makes sense to me. It's, I think, fruitless. I, I, you know, I don't think it will end with them getting anything that they really want out of this. No, they're they're and, doomed anyway because of the yeah, transfer portal. Exactly. Yeah, I, a, farm, I, a farm system for Alabama or Georgia or any other big program. Exactly. They they see all of this and they see like the level of players that are going to come to our school or stay at our school is about to drop drastically. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they're they're worried about that. That pushback makes sense to me. The ones from big schools that are already established and don't like that they're losing recruits. That's sorry. That's too bad. You cry about it, you know? Oh, Tennessee's taking your recruits. Oh, that's so sad. Let me <laughs> shut up. Nobody cares about the woes of Nick Saban and Kirby Smart. You've had your iron grip around the neck of NCAA football for long enough. We're done. Okay. And this is, it, it's high time that some things changed in that. I, it, and it will make no mistake. It will improve the product of college football, having that talent more spread out. Um, I think that's in, I, like an incontrovertible fact to me is that more talent in more places with more parity in college football will be good for the product. You look at college basketball, it's so much more compelling than just like, oh, Alabama won another national championship. What a surprise. Like, it's just not interesting. And so 
it's good for the product. They can weep all they want. The NCAA is dying. It makes sense from these small schools that see a huge problem ahead of them. But as we've said in past weeks, this is just the way that it's going to have to be because the NCAA should have changed these rules a long, long, long time ago and given up on the whole amateur thing, but they didn't. And that's their own fault. And now everyone has to go through the pain of figuring out this new landscape. And like, I'll, I'll give, I'll give some concessions. The transfer portal is a problem. Specifically, I, I don't have a problem with kids transferring at all. They should be able to go wherever they want because every other college kid gets to do that. I, you know, you can transfer college at any point as long as you're not an athlete. It doesn't matter. But suddenly you're an athlete and, uh oh, if you transfer somewhere else, this is, it's a big thing. Well, I didn't sign a non compete. And so you can't tell me where I can and can't go. That's not how that works. So the transfer portal, the, like in concept, I'm completely fine with. But the tampering that has started with the transfer portal, which let's, technically you can't call it that it was already this type of stuff was already happening but now it is so above board and this is where you get into this jordan addison situation with usc where reportedly he goes out to usc before he ever even enters the transfer portal at pittsburgh he goes to usc and gets like offered big money or whatever supposedly reportedly allegedly offered this big money and that's not good (laughs) that's not good at all. (laughs) Uh, And there needs to be guardrails of some kind, a sort of salary cap situation, some rules around these tampering and things like that. Sure. I'll give you that. But this is the way that it has to be. It just has to be. These players have to get paid their market value. This just can't go on any longer. The Supreme court said it, not me. I'll, I'll throw, this isn't even my opinion. This is the opinion of the Supreme Court of the United States. They said this can't go on any longer, you know? And and so this is the way uh, that it has to be. I think there's a there's a way that Alabama and Georgia could turn this into an advantage. And so that's what I don't understand why they're complaining so much. Because, look, if, if it, generally, if you took an average five-star wide receiver and he's got offers from Alabama – Tennessee, Texas, I don't know, just five random schools. He has five scholarship offers, and he has a check for $5 million from each of them if he goes there. Like, the, all the NIL money is the same. The kid's probably choosing Alabama, right? Like, they're still the cream of the crop in college football. That's still where recruits want to go if they want to go to the NFL. I don't blame them. I mean, you want, you look at the draft, and most of the players drafted are Alabama, Georgia. I mean, those, those programs, like, they're going to probably get there's a better chance of them getting to the NFL historically. So Alabama and Georgia could take this and pretty much do away with scholarship limits. You know, they're limited to how many great players they can sign right now. And Nick Saban's tried to get away with that for years by oversigning players and then basically telling players on scholarship. He kind of weeds out the ones that didn't work out and they go elsewhere. I mean, that's that's like Saban's strategy for a long time. So it's not a he's not above utilizing ways to kind of manipulate the roster to meet the talent that Alabama adds. I mean, that to me, that is another concern where it's like, okay, all of this stuff's good, but we've got to find out ways to regulate this. And the NCAA clearly doesn't need to be doing it. 
but this roster situation with scholarships, what's the scholarship mean anymore if you're able to pay all the players you want? I mean, then that becomes an advantage, I feel like, for Alabama where, okay, we're right back where we started because Alabama can sign as many five-star and four-star guys as they want now. Yeah, they're, they're just as powerful as anybody financially and resource-wise. I mean, they may not – some some of those schools, like Alabama is not the world's greatest education <laughs> that you can get, okay? It's not Harvard. Um, but they still have a bunch of rich boosters. They do. They're really rich Alabama fans, just like Tennessee. I mean, you got billionaire alumni who who swing in, and you know Tennessee. Some of those people have been problematic in the past uh, with the operation of athletics, but um, they're just as powerful as anybody in a, in a general sense, as far as that goes. But you do have what what I think is interesting, and why Tennessee is in such a specifically advantageous spot. For this is that you you have a school that runs the whole state of Tennessee up to what like Jackson, you know. You're like that that Jackson and to the right in Tennessee is like all Tennessee fans. There's a lot of Memphis fans in Memphis, and it's kind of a different thing. Uh they also they have pro sports there too. But I mean the bulk uh of Nashville and uh, for the people that are actually from Tennessee, you know, half of Nashville now is a people from California, but uh, for the people that are actually from Nashville are almost always Tennessee fans. And then obviously everybody in the Eastern side of the state is Tennessee. So you have all of that, but then Knoxville is one of the biggest, I probably, we actually talked about this last week. This is strange. We're talking about two weeks in a row, but um, Knoxville has to probably be outside of Nashville the biggest city that a school is in in the SEC. I think I'd have to be fact checked on that, but I'm pretty sure that's the case. Just thinking about all of the cities, uh, and so from that, Knoxville has more businesses and more resources than Tuscaloosa, Alabama. That's just like incontrovertibly true. Now Georgia. I think you could connect Georgia to Atlanta to a certain extent, even yeah. though it's a couple hours away. But they're they're closer. But, I mean, you look at Alabama and you go, you're just not going to have the same amount of businesses and people that could provide NIL deals um, in the way that Knoxville could, where we have, you know, the headquarters for, like, Bush's Beans and Pilot and all. Like, there are not corporate headquarters like that in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. There's not. It's just not a place like that. It doesn't sit on I-40. And and so, incredibly, Tennessee is actually in a super advantageous spot for this sort of situation where if you have a collective that's as aggressive as Spire has been with Tennessee and they are – and make, pay – or uh, make no mistake, they are incredibly aggressive. I would say the most aggressive outside of, you said Miami, they've been pretty outspoken too, but, um, you know, just shameless with it, which I love. Uh, I mean, if you have somebody like that who is just willing to shop around for anybody and everybody to support this cause, Tennessee's in a beautiful spot. And I think... I don't, I don't know if this is a factor, but I wonder if Saban looks around and he goes like, I can only provide so many NIL deals from so many businesses in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. It's just not a big city. It's What's in Tuscaloosa is the University of Alabama, if you've ever been. That's the whole thing. I'm sure it's the biggest employer in town. 
And that's what most people, if you live in that area, care about and do. Uh, and so I, I don't know. I, I mean, of course, I, I also look like you could probably pull from Birmingham if you're I, most people in Birmingham are Alabama fans, right? I don't know. I, I wonder if that's a factor that it's just one element of this that's run through my mind. Uh, but I think there's a lot that could weigh into it. And I guess I, I say all of that to say like, yeah, I agree with you. That may be a factor. What I just said may be a factor, but at the end of the day, the resources are still really similar. So I don't know why he doesn't just look and go like, why don't I just also embrace this and I'll just do it better than Tennessee unless he thinks he can't do it better. Well, I think, That's I don't, the only reason I say that. I don't know if it's that he doesn't think he can do it better. I think he just likes to have control of the situation and have it the way he wants it. Like, okay, mm-hmm. if I, if he has to do it, he'll probably they'll probably be fine, but he wants to control the situation. Now, as far as this whole report, I think the biggest question people are going to have is like, is Tennessee in trouble? Is their recruiting momentum over? Because this has been a big part of it. I, I really don't think so because – you talked about one. The NIL is not going anywhere. I mean, the Supreme Court said so. It, that that is what it is. I mean, it's it's NCAA cannot do anything about that. And what they're trying to focus on is the rule that is. It's not a new rule. Uh, it's not something that they're trying to put in place. It's still in place. Has been in place even with NIL. Is that boosters cannot contact recruits, but uh, you know, before they get to campus and offer them money and this and that. I feel like that's really easy to get around. I mean, all you have to do is what they've been doing for years, and you can still do it publicly as you just have all these middle people and like a collective where you're you're giving donations to the collective. And as long as the collective is not donating to the school or run by, I assume, as long as it's not run by boosters, people donating to the school, which I think if Tennessee is helping, I mean, if the Spire is helping Tennessee land top talent they're not going to be expecting donations from from those guys running that i mean i I feel like as long as you're not doing that you're clean right like you can do whatever you want you can communicate with the athletes because you're setting up legitimate nil deals which they are how much they get paid if it's market value or way over market value that's a different conversation it really doesn't matter Uh, but i feel like as long as they're doing that they, they should be good right like there's nothing the ncaa can can really come at them with so again, you, you steered this perfectly in the direction that I wanted to go. This was really going to be my next point. This is, this is a quote from that athletic article uh, from, I believe, Ackerman from, uh, from the Big East. Uh, so a representative from the Big East. This is what they had to say. Quote, we forecasted pretty much everything that's happened except for collectives, said Ackerman, a member of the current NIL subcommittee who co-chaired with Smith, the earlier working group that drafted the eventually scrapped NIL legislation, quote, we didn't envision packs of donors banding together to create pools of money they would spend, in some cases, totally indiscriminately. That isn't something we predicted. And it goes on to kind of say that basically the NCAA is going to try to take attack of collectives are boosters. And collectives working with players is illegal. That's kind of the tactic that they're going to use. But with the pushback that's in this article from the people that represent collectives is they basically go, come and take it. Good luck with that. The Supreme Court ruled in our favor. 
Like, good, good luck. Because like I, I read that quote earlier, the second the NCAA tries to do that, these collectives and the teams of lawyers, I'm sure they have, that represent them and work with them. The second that the NCAA tries to interfere with that, these lawyers are going to go and file antitrust lawsuits against the NCAA because it would be the NCAA working in direct, what would the word be, contravention, I guess, directly against that Supreme Court ruling. The Supreme Court said these players got to get paid, and the NCAA would be stepping in and saying, oh, no, they can't get paid. And so instantly, oh, that's an antitrust lawsuit. And so good luck, NCAA. Good luck. And so what I, honestly, what I think is going to happen from this is nothing. I I think that these super aggressive collectives, broke, I don't want to say they broke the system, but they beat, it's a, it's a loophole. Just as you were saying there. It is. It's, and good for everybody that thought it up. I don't know whose idea that was, but. That was brilliant, yeah. It's, it is something, it is something I absolutely did not see coming when and and when i first saw it and i still kind of feel this way there i'm kind of back and forth on them conceptually i i love it it feels a little scammy and you gotta have a lot of transparency with something like that exactly i the thing that i would love and this this counts for every every collective across college football and and college sports in general where is the money going? I would you really want the, like to you see. want the books opened. Exactly. Like and essentially if if they uh would form as 501c3s, you're basically required to do that. Um 501c3 for folks who don't talk in tax codes is a charitable organization. Basically. I don't I mean can they operate that way though because I don't know. It's issuing it payments. I mean they're issuing payments because I'm guessing there's two, there's two things that I wonder about here. One is, does the antitrust part of this come into play where, it, say you're, uh, you're Cooper Mays at Tennessee and a company in Knoxville approaches you directly about an NIL deal. There's no collective involved. They come in and they say, hey, I want, I want to pay you for appearances, social media posts, autographs, etc. The company's owned by a Tennessee booster. Now, the NCAA is saying that the booster can't have contact, you know, with the players. Uh, is it just players? Is it recruits before they get to campus? When it, is, it, is it okay once they get to campus? Uh, and so then it, is that an issue with the booster? Direct? I mean, I feel like that's part of the antitrust deal because you're, you're limiting where they can profit. Yeah, so it, it discusses that very briefly. In this athletic article, and, and first of all, it does say Caspino, the lawyer in this article, he said he deals primarily with, uh, oh, I, Caspino said he deals primarily with lawyers for the collectives, which are formed either as for-profit LLCs or 501c3s. So there, mm-hmm. there are at least some that are 501c3s. Not sure how they, how they convince people that they're not for-profit, but, <laughs> you know, I, and I don't blame people for, for trying to cash in on it. I just want to know if that's your aim. Are you trying to make these players money or are you trying to make you money? That's kind of the, well, the how distinction deep, that how I want deep to see. Into it, are they, are they, are they the ones 
kind of working the deals for the players? Are they paying the players? Are they collectives or are the companies paying the collective and the collectives writing the yeah. check? I mean, how does all that see work? The, this is what I want to know. I want to know the whole back end. We said this on a previous episode. Like, who could we? Because we said, even if we got the folks from Spire on here, they're not going to discuss all of that. And they shouldn't. You know, they've, they've put a decent amount out there, though. They do. They and, do. And you know, like maybe even in that article from I, I the athletic, know. that article from the athletic directly talks about how they've they're not supposed to be talking to recruits, assuming they're boosters and operating as boosters. They're not supposed to be talking to recruits, and they've pretty they openly, do. yeah, they've openly talked yeah. about that they do. They absolutely do. Uh, and it, it said, yeah, it says that in that article. Uh, it says Spire Sports, a Tennessee specific collective whose co founders are former agents, does not hide the fact that the collective visits with recruits during the process. Um, but like, even, like even if you had, well, even if you had Spire on here, I don't know that they would give kind of those gritty details. But that not is now. not now. Yeah, especially now that they're they're probably looking and going like, all right, we gotta button this up gotta, a little bit. Yeah, yeah, gotta gotta protect our butt. Uh, be be thinking about that. Um, and and so I how how could we? Who would know this? Can I get this lawyer? On here, I just want to know those the the behind the scenes. Who, because it it seems like to to snake around all of these rules and to do all these workarounds and everything, you would really need like a compliance lawyer the entire time sitting over your shoulder, just being like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, "Don't talk to that person. Don't don't say a word," because then they can get us. Because they like. The, the thing with the old way of paying players was as long as you kept it all wrapped up, you were, you were good to go. You know, you had to cover, cover your butt any way that you needed to. I think the same is still very true here because as you're saying, what if a company is owned by a booster and that company is going to give a kid an NIL deal? You can't well, stand could, in the way, right? E- yeah, they, they can't stand in the way, but theoretically, would you, to cover your bases, would you go, we're going to do the entire thing through an intermediary? Yeah. Um, and it does mention that briefly in that article, and but it doesn't it doesn't expound on it. And so I'm not totally sure. Yeah, I mean, how I want to know. I want to know who sets these up, who, who does I, it, because I, I my, like my overarching take on the whole thing is as long as Tennessee and its collectives be inspired, some of the other, the couple other ones that have popped up now. Whoever it is, as long as they're they are covering all of their bases and making sure through Tennessee's compliance department or whatever they got to do, like we're totally kosher. I'm let's do it. Be as shameless as you need to be. I'm fine with them going out saying that we talk to recruits as long as you know that that doesn't just don't get in trouble. <laughs> that's that's all. Yeah, they, that's all. They, that's the thing is you got to be so very careful right here. I mean, it's easier than it was a few years ago where the NCAA was just looking for the money, right? If, if, a, if a player was receiving money, it was a violation. It didn't really matter where the money was coming from. Now, the players getting the money is fine. Like, that's perfectly legal. The issue or the issue the NCAA is trying to bring up, at least, is where the money's coming from. So you've kind of cut out that whole, well, we just got to hide the money. And now it just depends on where it's, it's basically like, I think we said it before. It's like laundering money and trying to send it through the right places so that it's it, not like laundering money. <laughs> it, well, is laundering it, money. it is. Yeah. 
But I think with every pretty much every scenario we've laid out still ends with an antitrust lawsuit. Like I feel yeah. like no matter what, it is the NCAA trying to stand in the way of these players profiting off their name, image, and likeness. And I know that it's they're trying to eliminate pay for play. Like that's the biggest thing is the recruiting aspect of it, not the current players that are already on the roster, uh, which to me is still just as big of a deal because you're they're still recruits even when they're in college because of the transfer portal. So it's never really changed. And I guess that goes into the tampering aspect of it. But I just, I just, I don't know. I just don't, I just don't see a way that they can stop anything. I just, every single scenario feels like there's an easy workaround. As long as Tennessee doesn't do what they did under Pruitt and get real sloppy and just real, just too brash with it, which I mean, they're kind of dangerously getting close to that as vocal as they've been. But as long as everything's kind of buttoned up the right way and they're handling it the way that they're supposed to, they should be fine. And I think the hope has to be there that even if you do overstep your bounds right now, you, you'll either catch the NCAA and go like, we're going to slap you with an antitrust lawsuit so fast you won't know it hit you. Or by the time this stuff actually would get worked out, the NCAA will not be in existence anymore or be even more defanged than it already is. I mean, they essentially have borderline no power at this point, um, realistically. But um, maybe that is just the hope that they kind of go like, yeah, we can be brazen and we'll just, even if we do get pushback from the NCAA, Eh, we'll we'll fight it. We'll fight it just as hard. Maybe that is a strategy. Because I, um, I, I, in this situation, I think Danny White is expressly made for something like this. Because he mm-hmm. just strikes me like a guy who, if the NCAA tried to come after them over like Spire, I, I think he would come at them like an attack dog and really do everything in his power. Cause I, I think you saw it in their strategy with Pruitt kind of trying to come with that lawsuit. Um, Pruitt goes out and postures like, I'm going to, you won't even know what hit you. I'm going to, what, what did he say? The, uh, it was some sort of like threat to Tennessee mm-hmm. and Tennessee turned around and went, come on, come on, big boy. Let's see it. Like, go ahead. You know, and whatever, and and of course, so far at least, the the deadline that we thought Pruitt would have this thing filed by has gone and come and gone. Nothing happened, and and I think White, his lawyers, the other administrators, whatever team that is, I think it's it's well constructed to deal with anything like this. And clearly, the attitude from the NIL industry that has sort of formed now is just like. Come and take it. Good luck. They're they're clearly just they're not just gonna sit down and go, oh yeah, we're gonna let you come and interrogate these kids that we've made deals with. I because surely I'm Tennessee. If if the NCA comes and goes like, oh, we want to talk to Nico, because I it feels like that's what's gonna come. Like they're gonna want they said that they're going to mandate that these players speak with them. Uh mandated by who? Yeah, who? Seriously, are you a federal law enforcement agency? Who? You're going to subpoena Nico over this? 
But how? You're you're not a court of law. That's not how that works. And so I just I think Tennessee could just look at them and be like, absolutely not. You're not going to talk to them. You're not. And you're going to go. You're going to leave and not come back. And and so I'm fascinated to see what happens, but I also am am pretty trusting of the the set of folks that are running this thing. The the only to me the only real outlier is the folks running the collectives. I don't really know anything about them. Their background, if they're going to be incredibly reckless, they're sort of a rogue element in this whole thing. Uh, and they're not they're not dictated to by the NCAA. They don't have the these sorts of things um, ha- hanging over them. Even though realistically they need to be cognizant of the NCAA, they don't necessarily have to be. Um, and so that's an interesting part of it. Uh, but I, I so far, I think Tennessee is handling it incredibly well. And if the NCAA comes after Tennessee. Good luck. Let's see what you can do. Come on down. You know. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't, I don't foresee this going too far. And it's look, it's not just Tennessee either. I mean, there's Alabama's the ones are saving and smart putting this stuff out there. What are they going to find on their own program? Like, you think that they're not doing the exact same thing? Like, yeah, you better be exactly. careful coming after Tennessee when it could bring the whole thing down. Well, at least that's their hope. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm interested to see where they go and and how this plays out. But until it actually does play out, I t- do whatever you got to do. Keep doing it. I've always I've always wanted this for Tennessee. We've played so kindly around all of the recruiting stuff, and especially here at the end of Pruitt, where we really bowed down to the NCAA and inv- basically invited them in and said, "Come investigate us. Here's all the evidence." I've hated that. And I hope that now that all of that is kind of starting to get into the rear view, I mean, maybe we, we get a punishment a little later down the road. I want Tennessee to be as brazen as this whole thing has been. Be that person. Be absolutely shameless with it. And let's go get these kids to come play for the University of Tennessee and get them paid. Because I I love it. That's all I want to see. Um, and that's that's what's happening so far. So tell the NCAA to shove it that's my word of advice to everybody involved and i think that's what they're that's what they're probably thinking yeah i mean i i I think it'll be just fine uh i do understand tennessee some tennessee fans being concerned like hey we finally like figured this out we finally kind of have this advantage and we're able to utilize this and good things are happening and oh no it's all going to come crashing down because the NCAA is going to shut it down like don't don't worry too much about that. Uh, literally, Supreme Court would have to overturn a decision, which clearly is not going to happen. And that's the only thing you have to be worried about, really. Yeah, you you have, uh, what is the phrase? Starry decisis or whatever, where it, it is decided. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's our, it's on your side. The Literally, the law of the land is on your side. So <laughs> uh, we'll see what happens. But that's... Uh, I do wonder... Part of me don't wonders if like Saban and and Smart and some of these like Brian Kelly's another one I saw a quote from that was complaining about NIL deals down at LSU. I wonder if part of it is just to try to like put it out there in the media and try to maybe dissuade some recruits from going towards Tennessee and these collectives, like just create enough 
murkiness where you don't really know what's going to happen and maybe it kind of slows down Tennessee's recruiting efforts because that's I mean that's an interesting strategy maybe. just to just to create some conflict and just to put something out there yeah I could see that and that's hey all is fair as far as this stuff goes and if and if they're going to play dirty let's play dirty right back I don't yeah I don't care what you have to do it it doesn't matter to me how the sausage is made, frankly, as long as these kids end up in orange or white. That's, I, and, and don't get in trouble. You know, don't get the program burned to the ground. Those are the two things. So wrap your business up tight and be careful and get these kids to Tennessee. And, and outside of those two factors, as, as much as I want to know, as much as we said it on this show, we want to know the nitty gritty details of who's talking to who and how it goes. If I never find that out, my life will go on and, and I'll be fine. And so just get them here. Yeah. Get them to Knoxville. Do, yeah. do, do what you got to do. Yeah. Don't, if, if I don't need to know, I don't need to know. That's it. <laughs> and that, and I imagine that's what Josh Heupel is saying yes. every single day that some, something like this comes up. If he's smart, that is what he's doing. You guys handle it. You know what to do. You know what we need. Just handle it. Plausible deniability. That's why yes. I, how I didn't know that 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 this kid got eight million bucks. I didn't know. How was I supposed to know? How else do you was... think Coach K survived at Duke for forty some years or however long it was? How do I, I think mean, he survived? I mean that because obviously Duke was sending some checks to some players. I mean, every oh, yeah. you know, Kentucky, Louisville, everybody else is doing it. UNC was had fake classes. I mean, of course, Duke was doing stuff that wasn't above board, but. You never heard anything about Coach K getting really wrapped up in that too much. Well, he clearly, stayed, he, knew, he knew how to stay away from it. Clearly, he had sway over people in the building too at the NCAA because he got his way with the NCAA tournament and you know oh, the yeah. whole thing. So you might have worked those back channels some, but yeah, some of those coaches, Saban, some of those coaches know how to keep it all wrapped up. This they're just whatever it is. I don't Cal Perry, who he he has gotten in trouble. Cal Perry has gotten in trouble, but. You know, that string of time where he was getting just ridiculous classes of recruits to come in. I mean, who knows how much money I, I always say this is the way that I explain it to anybody that's like, well, Kentucky was so good. They didn't have to pay. What? No, because think about it. They they got caught. Giving the kid a Louisville two hundred thousand bucks or something, I think. And that, and that's what it was one of the biggest pieces in the downfall for Rick Pitino. Um, that number came out like $200,000, something around there. So if he went to Louisville for $200,000 and these kids who are even bigger recruits than that guy was go to Kentucky, how much do you think Kentucky's paying? Because Louisville's offering up 200,000. So how much is Kentucky having to pay? Cause you know where Louisville is 45 minutes from Lexington. And there, you know, you get 200,000 over in Louisville. Or what are you getting in Lexington? You know, that's that's how I always explained it to anybody that thought that, you know, there's no way Kentucky was paying players. Yeah, right, right, right. There was just, no it's way. Just, <laughs> it's just like the Cam Newton thing. Do you really think he went through all that or his dad went through all that and had the offer from yeah. Mississippi State and then you go to Auburn for free? No, Auburn was just smarter about how they handled that situation. And they did it exactly like you have to do it. The NCAA didn't find anything. Cam Newton had his eligibility and was able to win a national championship there. And Auburn 
I'm sure does not regret one penny that they spent on him. No. And, and that's, that is all I want for Tennessee in this situation. Be that, be Auburn in that situation. Mm-hmm. Be smarter than everybody else. Don't get caught. Yep. <laughs> that's it. That's Probably the motto. Yep. <laughs> all right. Well, any, any parting thoughts for the good folks before we go? Anything else uh, going on, Zach? No, uh, it's pretty much cover let's just see how this uh this baseball weekend turns out uh like to finish may here on a strong note and get this team back to being exciting again they're still exciting but get back to the fun times where nobody's really panicking over a couple of losses get back to when people are just getting mad about what tennessee's doing in the dugout batting and base running practice that is the key this week please somebody let's score some runs against georgia but uh That's it. Charlie Burris, Zach Reagan. This has been the Big Orange Podcast. Thank you so, so, so much to everybody that listens. Some of the clips have been blown up on YouTube, so folks are over there watching. We really appreciate that. Um, At Charlie underscore Burris, at Zach DNT, at A to Z Sports on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook.com slash A to Z Sports Nashville, and A to Z Sports.com for all of the stuff at the places and the things. Um, That's all. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see y'all next week. See you guys later. And if it's money you need.